Bibles this morning, I would like you to turn to the, the book of Acts chapter 16, the book of Acts or the Acts of the, of the Apostles is how one title is, the Acts, the Actions of the Apostles, Acts chapter 16. Before we go any further, we've prayed a number of times this morning, and I want to pray again. Lord, as we hold these Bibles in our hands, and in just a few moments as your scripture, as your word goes into our hearts, we pray, Lord, we know for the promise from your word that it will not return empty, but rather, Lord, you're going to do something in us. And so I pray, Lord, that our hearts, our lives would be very Uh, fertile ground in which something of eternal value will grow in part from what we receive from you today. Lord, change our lives again with your word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Paul and Silas were missionaries. They were people who were taking the good news of Jesus Christ to places it had never before gone. They were missionaries, taking the good news of Jesus Christ to a place that had had never been touched by the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul was regarded as one of the first of two missionaries. Paul is a lot like us. The Apostle Paul, we sometimes refer to him, or Paul was a a person that came to Christ after Jesus ascended into heaven. He came to Christ after the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost. Paul, like us, never saw Jesus in human form, but he experienced the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. More than almost any other person in the New Testament, we have something more in common with Paul than anyone else. Because of what he experienced. His life had been transformed. He had once been a persecutor of Christians, a person who was instrumental in in believers being arrested and eventually killed, but his life had been transformed by the power of God. He was a different man, and now he was a missionary. Alongside of him, on this occasion, was this man named Silas. Now, Silas, we know relatively little about. We, we, we know hardly anything about Silas. He's sometimes referred to as Silvanus. Here's, here's the thing about Silas, though. Someday, we're going to meet him. You know that, right? Someday, we're going to get to know this man one-on-one, and, and, and if we don't already know it by that time, we're going to find out from him personally, so tell me about your life. Someday, we're going to spend time with him because he's going to live just down the street from you in a, on a golden street. You're going to get to know these people who are in the Bible. Silas was, so here's Paul and, and Silas, and the Bible says that here in Acts chapter 16, they were in a city called Philippi. Now, Philippi was in the extreme southeastern corner of the European continent, in in what is today, modern-day Greece. Philippi holds a unique distinction. It was the first community 
in Europe that had a Christian church. The first recorded community that had a Christian church. Some of you have traveled in Europe and you've seen some of those really big cathedrals. They're Lutheran or Catholic or something like that. Really big churches, usually empty, sadly, uh, today in, in this time. But those really big churches, you've seen maybe some small communities with small churches in them in Europe. This, was the, this holds the distinction of being the first European city that had a church. And by church, I don't mean a physical structure, but rather a gathering of believers. Because there in Philippi, on this second missionary journey in which Paul and Silas are going, and along with a few others, there in Philippi, people were coming into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Their lives were being transformed. They were responding to the gospel. It was and it is powerful, and people were coming to Christ. Acts chapter 16 and verse 16 records one of those persons who was about to come to Christ. It says this, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. And she brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, and she was crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now just stop there for a few moments. Slavery is, is an absolutely horrible, abhorrent evil. I, I don't think that there's any person here that would ever say, you know, uh, slavery has some good attributes about it. It doesn't. It's a horrible thing. We have, or at least I have, maybe you do the same, we have almost a visceral gut reaction when we hear about someone who is owned by someone else, who is who is controlled by someone else, someone who is abused or exploited by someone else. When we hear of that at any point throughout history, but particularly now, it, we, we, we feel it deeply. We hate, we despise slavery. But this, think of this, this young woman's life even though she lived a very long time ago, this young woman's life must have been particularly wretched because she was both outwardly owned by some people, by some men who were exploiting her. She was outwardly owned, but the Bible says she was inwardly possessed. I can't imagine the, the hellish existence of her life. She was controlled, her actions, her, her schedule, her, her place, her, her, her everything was controlled by people, but inwardly she was controlled by demonic forces. Now, it, it, we, we just read what she was doing and particularly what she was saying, and I draw your attention to what she said because what she said was absolutely true. What she said was, was true, but it was probably the way in which she was saying it that was disturbing. We know that this went on for some time and, and how she would follow after them and she would, she would come up after them and a crowd would start to gather and she would cry out, these men are servants of the Most High who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Absolute truth. They would go down the way a little bit and she would say the same thing. 
What she was doing, however, is she was drawing attention to herself rather than pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. She was a distraction. She was bothersome. I want you to understand what was happening here. The message of Jesus Christ was going out and changing lives. There was a woman named Lydia earlier in in chapter 16 who was a, a woman of influence in this community of Philippi. She had come to Christ. I'm sure other people had come to Christ, though their names are not mentioned. God was doing a great work, and in this community that had not really had the gospel before, now all of a sudden they're hearing the gospel and darkness was being pushed back. But you have to understand that whenever darkness is being pushed back, Satan wants to push light back. Whenever God is doing a powerful work, you can count that shortly thereafter, the enemy will attempt to push back and he will attempt to regain ground. That still happens. When God desires to do a good work in you, I promise you that there's going to be some resistance that there's going to be something in your life or there's going to be someone in your life who's going to push back and say, no, that that, that really isn't that important or or they will attempt to squelch what God desires to do in you. That still happens and this is what was happening. That's the big picture here. This is not just some crazy lady who is becoming a, a nuisance. Rather, this is the enemy working in her and through her to distract from what God was doing. Verse 18 reads this way, and this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become, I love this word, having become greatly annoyed. <laughs> if, 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 if some of you say, well, you know, th- I, listen, I have a reason to be annoyed right here. Here's a man of God who is annoyed. No, I'd be careful of that. But here he is. There's something within him that is disturbed. It's his spirit within him is disturbed. It says, Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and he said to the spirit, didn't say to the woman, but he said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. The next line says, and it came out that very hour. It it speaks of immediacy. It happened quickly. It happened right there. You see, Paul Paul knew that this was a satanic attack. I don't know how far into this he realized it. I don't know exactly what the the time process was, but he realized this for what it was. He identified it, and so he turned and he speaks to this demon, and he commands that demon to come out in the name of Jesus Christ. And with that, that authority given him by Christ, the Bible says the demon was cast out. (laughs) What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. That was a little bit weak. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Amen. There's power in the name of Jesus. It it still works today. Back then, Paul, he turns on this woman and he says, again, what what did he say there? He said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and that demon came out. There's power in the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. Now, this was this was really good. This was really, here's this woman who just one moment before. Just one moment before, it has this inner conflict that, that I'm sure that would be very, very difficult to describe unless it had actually happened to you. And in, in a split second, because this demon had to go, 
because the name of Jesus is powerful and Paul was walking in the Spirit and Paul was directed by the Spirit of God to command this demon to come out. And in one moment, she goes from darkness to light. The demon is cast out. She shortly thereafter, I'm sure, comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. She becomes part of this early church in Philippi. This was a very good thing for her. She's still a slave girl, but now she's no longer enslaved to sin. Hallelujah. You know, there's some things that Take time on the outside, but glory to God, he can do a transformation on the inside like that. This happened to her. So this was very good for her. It was very good for Paul and Silas. Now this, 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 this woman is not being a distraction. She's not drawing attention to self. They're able to proclaim the gospel a little bit more clearly. But for the people who owned her, for the people who owned this woman and profited from her, when the demons left, satanic power also left. She was no longer able to do what she had previously done. Verse 19 says, but when her owners saw that their hope of gain, their future profit, was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, they dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers, this would be the religious leaders, and when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. This would be the civil authorities, excuse me. And they are disturbing our city. They, ad they advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice. So again, looking at the, the larger picture here, because the slave owner's finances, it says here, uh, when they saw that their hope of gain or their future profit, we could read in there, when their, when their cash flow was begun to be restricted or, or when, when the money was about to dry up, when their finances were affected, they became angry, they had Paul and Silas arrested, and they made false accusations against them. Now, this happened, obviously, a very long time ago. It's in the Bible. So about 2,000 years ago, this happened. And even though that's a very long time, two things have not changed. Number one, people are still set free by the power of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that that still happens? It's happened to many of you. But here's the second thing that still happens even even with the passage of time, those who profit from persons in bondage still become angry when people are set free by the power of Jesus' name. Jesus still sets people free, but people who once profited by people who were in bondage, when they begin to lose the promise of future gain, then they become angry because that person has been set free by the power of Jesus' name. It still happens. I've seen this happen. I have seen, I have known of people who were in communities in which, in which drug, the, the sale of drugs was, was overwhelming a community and a church was planted there and it began to cut into the profit margin of those who were dispensing the drugs. Hallelujah! And they began to push back against the church. 
I know of a pastor who a number of years ago, probably about three or four years ago, not that long ago, who was arre- not arrested, who was, who was abducted and threatened with his life because the community in which he lived, the gospel was doing such a work in that place that, that it was cutting into their profit and they threatened to kill him if he didn't stop. And he didn't stop. He kept going. Glory to God. It still happens. Um, I have, a, I have a, a, a bit of a fantasy. I have, I have a fantasy of someday, someday, a bunch of, a bunch of um, uh, bar owners in Aberdeen who are picketing out in front of our church because we've cut into their profits so much. Wouldn't that be cool? Because, because so many people who once tried to find their hope there have been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ and they get upset. Wouldn't it be something if the owners of casinos in our community got upset at the churches in our communities because there's more and more people that are leaving the casinos and going and finding faith in Jesus Christ? Wouldn't that be cool? God, make it happen. Lord, use us to make that happen. It says here, and, and notice, notice what they said. These men, are, uh, 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 these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. I love how they were so concerned about their community. They didn't care about their community. They cared about their profit margin. And we hear this in our world today, in our society today, there are people who say, you know what, we care about the, the and, and I'm going I'm to focus on this, I'm going to target this, and it's, and it's appropriate that I do so. There are people today that say, you know what, we are concerned about the health of women, and therefore they must retain the right to choose. And yet when the, when, when the church is, is a big part of it, it's not exclusively the church, but when many believers stand up and say, that is an evil, and there are people who have been, who've been enslaved by that, and there are, there are people who have been exploited by that, but, but they don't, many of the people who, who run those organizations or who stand behind those organizations, they really don't care about the women. They don't care about the health of a person. They care about their profit margin. You see, this still happens. This still happens. Jesus still transforms people's lives, but there are people then who will get upset when Jesus transforms people's lives. Understand this. Understand these things. What's happening today from a biblical standpoint, from a biblical understanding, not just from, well, this is something in our society. What happened in Acts is happening today. Verse 22, the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them, Paul and Silas, with rods. When they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison. They ordered the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, all of this happened very, very quickly. Just a short time before, just a short time before, they had been sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, proclaiming Jesus Christ. They had seen this young woman some days before, because it probably took a while before they realized that, that you know, this is, this is going to cut into our profits. 
But just a short time before, they were free to do what God had called them to do. But in the span of just three verses, it records here that a crowd attacked them. They were beaten mercilessly. They were thrown in jail, and their legs were shackled. And in the span of just three verses, their their future became suddenly very uncertain, or at least from all appearances, very uncertain. Again, here it is. A crowd attacked them. They were physically beaten. They were thrown in prison. Their legs were shackled. Their their future was uncertain. Now, any one of those things would have been difficult. Any one of those things. uh, Were you to experience any one of those things that are recorded in those verses, then you you would say, that's a bad day. But you put it all together. You compound it all together. All of those things in such a short time. But that's what makes verse 25, one of the things that makes verse 25 so remarkable. It says this, about midnight, now they're in jail, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Now, remember, it, it, in the span of three verses, all of those bad things happened and it did not take very long for them to be thrown into prison. It didn't take long for them to be thrown into prison, but the great thing is it took even less time to set them free from prison. That's the power of God. Perhaps you have read or you've heard this this story, this true story before. Uh, Maybe you've been familiar with it for a long time. Maybe this is new. But if you do know the story, you know that it it, it then goes on. The story proceeds to tell the story of the jailer, the guy who is in charge of the jail. It it goes into length and talks a great deal about him and, and how his life was changed that very night. Or actually early that next morning because it was midnight when all this happened. The, the Bible goes on, and we, we often then focus on this jailer, and then not only upon him, but upon his family who, is also, who were also transformed, every member of his family. It, it's, it's a great part of the story. It's a great part of the story. In some ways, it's the best part of the story, but I'm not even going to talk about them this morning because I don't want us to overlook the other persons who were there that night. Verse 25 again, it says this Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, let me just stop there for a moment. Obviously, we know what they were singing. It was, uh, it was hymns from the, uh, the, the songbook that we used to have in the pews here. They, uh, I'm sure it was a hymn by Fanny Crosby or maybe one of the Wesleys or something like that. Maybe it was a Gaither song because we know that, but that good Christian music didn't come along until actually they arrived on the scene. I'm joking, of course. They sang a song that probably wouldn't appeal to our ears in a language that we didn't know. We're singing songs now that 
that, that maybe would not have appealed or meant a whole lot to someone a hundred years ago. Every generation has its music. Every, every group has it. And, 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 and if they point to Jesus and if they sing of the power of God and of the, of, the, of the mercy of Jesus Christ and of the transformation ability of the cross, then glory to God, that is a song. We're going to call that a hymn. Well, that's not a hymn because it's not in the hymnal. No, it's a hymn. Maybe, just maybe, they were singing a song, something like, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. He has the power. He has the glory. His name is above all names. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. For a moment, I want you to think back to that moment. It's midnight. Their backs are bloody and beaten. Their legs are immobilized. They can't move. Their legs are locked down. But glory to God, their hands were free and their voice could be heard. And so they began to lift up their hands because the Bible says that they would do that back then. That's why we do it today. And I believe that they began to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that because it says it. They began to pray and they began to praise. They began to pray and they began <coughs> to praise. But the next line says, and the prisoners were listening to them. <laughs> it's midnight. <laughs> it's lights out time. Prisoners like to sleep because that makes time go faster. And all of a sudden, from down the hall, somebody starts singing. I don't, are you like this? I, my wife, my wife always, always, always has a song in her heart. It annoys me when she starts singing at 6 o'clock in the morning. Anyone else? In fact, early on in our, in our marriage, I said, Jonah, you can't sing. Please don't sing past 11 o'clock because I, if, if I do, I get that in my head. And even, it may be good, but I'm going to be singing that all night in my sleep. Anyone else? These guys start singing. They start praising. They hear them praising. Oh, God, we love you. We trust you. We don't understand why, but we trust you. And they start singing, and it's two-part harmony. One's taking the tenor, one's taking the bass line. And it, I don't know how pretty it was, but they were singing with all of their hearts. And they start listening. What is that? Who's singing? What's with that? Why are they doing that? Have you ever noticed this line? How two hurting Christians who were in a hard and painful place chose to pray and praise God. They chose to. It didn't come natural. When you've just been beaten, incarcerated, your legs locked down, and it's midnight, you don't just naturally say, you know, I always sing this time of night, so let's go for it. They chose to. They chose to do this in that hard and difficult place. And the other people in that hard and painful place were listening if you're writing notes this morning, please write this down. When God's people pray and praise in the hardest of times, other people are listening. 
when God's people pray and praise, in the hardest of times, other people are listening. Now, when you pray and you praise in the best of times, well, if you don't pray and praise in the best of times, you won't pray and praise in the worst of times. But when you pray and praise in the best of times, people aren't necessarily going to pay so much attention because they're going to go, well, of course they are. You know, when you, when you, just, when you just got something good happened to you and everyone sees it and, and you go, well, glory to God, they're going, well, that's, yeah, that's great, yeah, that's wonderful. But when you do that in the worst of times, when, when something really bad just happened and you still out of that pain and in that difficulty, you begin to praise the Lord, I'll tell you what, people are going to sit up and they're going to notice. Who does that? It says the others were listening. Some of you are in a hard place right now. Some of you are facing some financial difficulty right now. Some of you are going through a physical malady right now. Some of you are going through some stuff in your family that's ripping you apart right now. But let me tell you something. The people around you are watching you and they're listening to you. And when in that place of pain, in that place of difficulty, when you begin to lift up the name of Jesus and demonstrate your faith in the worst of times, people will notice and they will be changed. People listening to you. Do you know one of the worst, excuse me, one of the most effective, sadly, one of the most effective lies that the enemy uses is that no one is paying any attention to you and it really doesn't matter what you do because it's not going to affect them. And I'm telling you, people are watching you. You claim faith in Jesus Christ, they're listening to you. They're watching you. They're watching you. They're listening to your words. They're seeing how you respond. And when in the most difficult places you respond in faith, they're going to listen. Now, it says here that God sent an earthquake. It says it right there. God sent an earthquake. It says the foundations shook. It says the foundations shook. This was this. Now, again, just just imagine this in your minds here. The foundation shook. It, it, it was it was such a serious earthquake that that I'm sure at first when it happened, this would have been probably not the nicest of structures. They're, they're probably concerned about the uh, the walls caving in or the ceiling coming down. But it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. It, 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 this this <laughs> this is the. the, the This is the original jailhouse rock right here. This is it right here. Look again at verse 26. It says this, all the doors were opened. Do you see that? It says, and immediately all the doors were opened. It doesn't say all the walls came down. That's Jericho. That's another story. It says all the doors were open. So imagine this in your mind. They're sitting there. All of a sudden, they're they're hearing these guys pray and praise. I don't know how long it went. But all of a sudden, the, the whole place started shaking. The walls didn't come down. The ceiling didn't cave in. But every door, it says all the doors were opened. Picture that in your mind. I, here's, here's, it doesn't say this, but here's, I, I think the first door to open, Paul and Silas's. And their door opened. And then just down the hallway, another door opened. 
And then another door opened. And then the door going into a passageway opened. And then the door going into the courtyard opened. And maybe if there was a door beyond that, it opened. Every door was opened. Did you ever notice that? Every door was opened. Every door. Because somebody in a most difficult place began to pray and to praise. Every door was opened. Not just theirs, but the people around them. Some of you have been praying for an open door of some kind. Let me tell you, you want open doors? You trust God in the darkest of times. And God will open doors. There it is, chapter and verse right there. All the doors were opened. Every other door in the prison. And then the end of verse 26 says, everyone's bonds were unfastened. Did you ever notice that? It says, everyone's bonds were unfastened. So picture this. They're sitting there. Remember, their legs are locked down in stocks. And they're praising God. They got their hands up. They're singing praises to the Lord. They're praying in between. And all of a sudden, the place starts shaking and, and the the, 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 the chains that were chained down there, it fell open. But not, not just theirs. What does it say again? It says, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. So their chains fell off. And in the, in the, in the room next to them, their chains fell off. And, and, and two doors down that, the psycho guy in 106, his chains fell off. And maybe the floor above them, <coughs> his chains or her chains fell off. It says right there in the Bible, everyone's chains fell. I can understand Paul and Silas. They're the ones who are singing. But because they sang, everyone's chains fell off. Did you ever notice that? You see, we always get so distracted. We go, man, let's talk about the jailer. Great story. But what about the people who were back in prison with them? How were they affected? How did it change their lives? All the doors were opened. Everyone's bonds were unfastened. It wasn't just one, two people. It wasn't just the people in that room. Every door, every bond opened or unfastened. If you're taking notes, write this down. When Christ brings freedom to one, he makes freedom possible for others. When Jesus Christ brings freedom to one person, he makes freedom possible for others. When God did, or as God is doing a work in your life right now, as he is transforming you. I have some really great news for you. It's not going to happen just to you, but God desires to bring that same freedom to the people around you. He didn't save you just for you. He didn't deliver you just for you. He delivered you so that others could be delivered. He transformed you so that others could be transformed. He set you free so that you can bring the freedom of Jesus Christ to the people around you. It was never meant just for you. Again, let's talk about a moment of the lies of Satan. The lies of Satan, <coughs> excuse me, tell us that 
you know what, it, it, it just really doesn't affect too many people. I was talking with Stan Ryman before the service. I was thinking of him early this morning, about 3 o'clock as this message was going through my mind. Let me very quickly tell you this story. About 40 years ago, one of Stan Ryman's brothers, he grew up, there were, there were like eight kids or how many, seven, a whole bunch of kids in his family. And one brother in far off California came into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And over the course of the next couple of years, another person, another family member was, and then another person, and then another person, and then another person. And before you know it, there was only one person left who had not come to faith in Jesus Christ. Stan, he's a hard case. But what started in one was never meant to be for one. Over the course of a relatively short period of time, an entire family was transformed and continues to be transformed today. Glory to God. And I say, God, do it again. See, it wasn't just for one brother in far off California. It was for every member of the family. Because when God sets one person free, he wants to set the person next to him free. Some of you are in jobs right now. You're working a line, you're working in an office, you're working someplace. And I'll tell you what, there's people in that place that are in absolute bondage. But because Jesus set you free, he wants to set them free. Because God opened a door into your soul, he wants to open a door into their soul. And don't you think for a moment that this is just for you. This is for every person who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He still does this. He still does this. Jesus didn't save you just for you. He saved you because he wants to save your neighbors. He wants to save your coworkers. He wants to reach your classmates. He wants to reach members of your family that live just down the hall from you in the next room. He didn't save you just for you. He saved you because he wants to save them. When Jesus brings freedom to one, he makes freedom possible for others. This morning, I want to remind you that God still opens doors and he still breaks chains. He still opens doors and he still breaks chains. Regardless of what you are presently going through, I, I want you to hear this so clearly. Regardless of what you are going through, regardless of your lot in life right now, somebody is listening to you. Somebody's listening to you. You're going through it. I mean, you are going through it big time right now, but somebody's listening to you. Somebody is watching you. They're seeing how you're going to respond to your beating, how you're going to, how, how you're going to respond to your incarceration, how you're going to respond in your bad place. And I tell you this, when you lift up Jesus and you say, glory to God, I don't understand why and I don't know, I don't know how long, but I'm going to do this. While I'm here, I'm still going to lift his name up. When you do that, they will listen and they will be changed. And what God is doing in you, he desires to do for the people who are in bondage around you. And the chains that he set you free from, excuse me, the, the chains from which he set you free, he desires to set others free. When God delivered you from adultery, He's going to use you to deliver other people from adultery. 
When God delivered you from deceit and deception and lying, he desires to use you to set other people free. If Jesus has set you free from the power of pornography, he's going to use other He's going to use you to set other people free. Jesus has set you free from some kind of substance. Some kind of substance. I want you to know that God wants to set other people free and he's going to use you to do it. In just a few moments we're going to close and we're going to close with a song that we sang earlier. But before we do that, I'd like you to bow your heads please. Before we go any further, it's very important that I give you the opportunity. I give you the opportunity to be transformed. Perhaps this morning there is someone here. It may be one person, it may be many. I don't know. But I'm going to give you the opportunity. If you are still living in darkness and you want to experience the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, then I want you to do two things. I want you to with everyone's head head bowed and and, and your eyes closed. I want you, however, to open your eyes, catch my eye, lift up your hand, and I want to identify you. Is there anyone here that would say, yeah, Pastor, that's me. I I don't know. I I just don't know. If if I were to die today, I don't know if I'd go to be with Jesus. I I just don't know, but I want to know. If that's you, you, would you do that? Would you just lift up your hand and catch my eye? Thank you, right here in front. Someone else. young woman here at the front. Is there anyone? Is there anyone else? Lord Jesus, I thank you for this this young woman who, Lord, I don't know her story, but you do. And right now, Lord, as she simply says, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and forgive my sins. Take me from darkness to light. Become my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose from the dead for me. And I declare you as Lord. Now, Lord, as that person prays that very simple prayer, I know that you will begin that great work in them. But, Lord, beyond that now, not only for that person, but for every person here. I ask that we would be used of you to see other doors opened, other chains broken, so that the people around us who are listening will see and hear you in us. That's how our world is going to be changed. That's how it's going to be changed by the demonstrated power of Jesus Christ in us and through us individually. Lord, we're not going to rely on one person on TV or one person with an amazing website. We're not going to rely upon one person with a crusade. You called us to affect world around us. So this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like you to stand with me, please. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song. When we're done singing that song, 
feel free. If you need to go, go. But uh, we're going to sing the song. The name of Jesus. And I like it. I want you to sing it. I, I looked around. Some of you were really, boy, you were just, you could just tell, boy, you've been transformed. I want you to sing it as people who have been set free. Ready? We're going to sing this. It starts off low, but it really builds. And when we get to that, I just want you to give it everything you have. Because if you've been set free, we have something to sing about. Amen. Amen. Let me say that again. If we've been set free, we have something to sing about. Paul and Silas had something to sing about, so do you. You ready? When we're done, these altars are open. You can go. Worship team is going to continue playing. You sing as long as you want, but when we're done with this, God bless you. Let's sing it together.
go in the name of Jesus, above whom there is no other. Hallelujah. We trust you, we look to you, and we love you. Use us to transform people around us, opening doors, breaking chains. Thank you, Jesus. You love us and you use us for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Go in the power and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have